Welcome back to Well, That's Interesting, the It's Raining Men and a Few Cats edition. What? <laughs> that's right. Why is it raining a few cats? <laughs> you know, uh, it's, it's, okay, it's a lot of cats. It's, okay. It's, it's a lot of cats. We're going to talk about a lot of cats. Okay. For, for real. Now I'm just more confused. <laughs> and concerned. And so concerned about these cats. <laughs> uh, today, in betweeny 045, Man survives 15,000-foot fall and a 24-hour cat curfew. Do you like how I was more worried about the falling cats than <laughs> the falling man part? I was like, oh, move over. How are the cats? <laughs> and I just totally, I got it. I understood. <laughs> we both just whizzed right by that. <laughs> uh, I'm Jill Chacha, and I am with the very concerned about the cats, Marissa Riley. Yes, I'm... <laughs> Only here for the cats. I'm kidding. I'm sure. I, I, I'm sure the man was cool. I don't know. <laughs> so I'm here good. for the man too. I guess. Uh, if this is your first time listening, welcome to the flock. Uh, Doctor Riley here comes in cold and learns everything in real time, just like you. So you're probably just as concerned about the cats. Yes. <laughs> Let's all worry about these cats together. Yes. Um, and the guy. And the guy. Okay, so <laughs> I guess we should get the guy out of the way first. <laughs> yeah, him out of the way. Yes. Okay, so uh, let's begin today's in betweeny by traveling back in time just a bit to July sixth. Oh my God, why does it already feel like that was years ago? It was. It was years. Was ago. that last mm-hmm. week? I think so. Mm, shut your face. <laughs> That's crazy. I don't understand time anymore. Me either. Um, well, on this particular Ju- July 6th, it was a beautiful evening, and it's around 5 p.m. in the city of Atascadero. Mm. And where is Atascadero, you may be asking. I am. Great. All right. Not a problem. We could solve this. Everyone, think of the state of California. Okay. Point to Los Angeles, which okay. is pretty far south. Now move about 200 miles north, and here we are, a Tuscadero. Ah, good to know. Now you can also point to San Francisco, and then move your finger about 200 miles south, and you end up here as well. Fun fact, a Tuscadero is, ne- is nearly equidistant from those two cities. Very so good to know. Dead a little smack in the middle. Middle middle stop. Fun fact that you will never use. I know. <laughs> so I'm not going to lie. I might forget this fact tomorrow. <laughs> Uh, like we said, it's July 6th, so people are still out and about enjoying the last of their long holiday weekend. One of those folks was Rose Martin. Okay. Uh, who happened to have a front row view of what was about to occur. Oh, no. <laughs> so Rose, along with several other residents, had noticed something falling from the sky and pretty damn fast. Okay. As luck would have it, whatever it was crashed through the roof and into the kitchen of Rose's neighbor, who wasn't home at the time. Now, although in shock, Rose shifted gears and into action, finding her way into her neighbor's home to see what the fuck just made a crater in the tiling and insulation of a house. Like so, a good neighbor. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I just joked, Rose Martin is there. That's Rose right. Martin is there. <laughs> I choked on my own joke. Okay. <laughs> so now, Dr. Marissa, I'd love to show you a picture of the scene okay. of what Rose came across uh, this photo and... All of our photos, as per usual, will be on our media stuff, so please yeah. follow along uh, on Instagram at Well That's Interesting Pod and on Twitter at WTI underscore pod. But in the meantime, Dr. Marissa, would you please just describe who and what you see in this photo? Uh, nothing would make me happier. Here we go. All right, so I'm looking, <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at a picture of a classic uh, suburban kitchen, if you think 
suburban kitchen, uh, then we are thinking of the same thing. Yeah. And in the middle of it, on the floor, is a bunch of rubble. Yeah. And in the middle of all of that rubble is a man. <laughs> That's right. He's laying on his back. He's laying on his back. He's got all this gear. Um, he's wearing, like, camo. Yeah, that green military classic camo. Yeah, and, yeah. and I'm guessing he came through the roof yeah there's like insulation and tiles and shit on the floor yeah um they're they're not going to be happy to come home no, to this it is a lovely kitchen there's some cacti really nice in the back very nice very well done cute. well done uh this person whoever you are so yeah. uh so what exactly is going on here well this crash happened 30 miles south of a military base called camp roberts uh, i see yes yeah, so, <laughs> i see so just I see what was happening. <laughs> it just so happens this soldier who was identified by his uniform as belonging to the british Special Air Service, or SAS. Okay. Now, he was one of several Brits and American allies performing a group training of halo jumps, uh, high-altitude, low-opening jumps. That sounds like something I will never, ever no. do. Sounds like do f- not try to make me. Don't. Fucking nightmare. Stop trying no. to make me, okay? <laughs> okay. I'm not doing it. <laughs> right? I'm not doing it in Hawaii, okay? A true story. It's that a true a- story. I didn't do it in Hawaii. <laughs> I did swim with sharks, though. Yeah, we swam with sharks uh, with yeah. no cage. That was fun. No cage. I would rather swim with beautiful, dangerous animals than uh, high-altitude, low-opening jumps. No, no way. For sure. No. Yeah. So, also, for our audience, you're probably wondering what the fuck we just said or talking about. Sorry about that. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you're probably also wondering, holy shit, is this guy okay? And what the fuck is a halo jump? It's something I'm never doing. No. So before we get into the SAS soldier's condition, let's break down what a halo jump is so we can grasp just how crazy this situation really is. And just is. how yeah. much I'm not going to do this. <laughs> okay, so high altitude, low opening jumps was a technique developed during a little war called the Vietnam War. Of course it was. Where nothing problematic happened. Nope. So, as you can kind of tell by the name, the goal is to drop soldiers into an extremely hostile environment with little to no detection as possible, which means your plane is way the fuck up there, as high as 40,000 feet, and the soldier doesn't deploy their parachute until they hit 3,000 feet to, again, limit the possibility of being seen. So, basically, they're just waiting until the last possible second to deploy their... um, Yes. Parachute, a.k.a. the thing that is going to save their life. You're exactly fucking right. Yeah. I see. Yeah. I see. I see. Exactly. Uh, mm-hmm. As in life, timing is everything. Deploy your chute too early and you risk capture. Yeah. Deploy too, deploy too late and uh, you can die. So uh, mm. that is, of course, if your chute opens at all. Uh, this sounds so- <laughs> like a lose, lose, lose situation. Uh, Dr. Marissa, would you be so kind to tell us a little bit more about this training day and what didn't happen that fateful July 6th? <laughs> So. Yes, yes, I will talk about it. Okay, uh, quote, according to IFLScience.com, quote, in this exercise, the paratrooper was reportedly falling from a more modest 15,000 feet only uh, when the main parachute failed to open. Equipped with a reserve chute, the soldier deployed it to slow the descent, but it was unable to open in time to reach the designated drop zone. Instead, the soldier fell rapidly and crashed through the roof of a a residential building, which luckily had no one inside at the time where he was recovered by emergency services, end quote. 
What a mess. So, yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, now I think it's safe to say falling 15,000 feet into a ceiling seems really terrifying. Yeah. But good news, it's even scarier than you think. Ah, so. that's so funny because <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking it's very scary. <laughs> so, yeah, it takes about 12 seconds for a skydiver to hit terminal velocity where your falling body tops off at 120 miles per hour. Mm. And get this, in 12 seconds at that speed, you fall 1,500 feet. Oh, my God. Yeah. So oh, what my I'm, God. So what I'm saying is that the ground comes at you fast. When, a sol- uh, when that soldier reached 3,000 feet, he only had 24 seconds before he would hit the ground. <gasps> Just like you said. Yeah. Seconds. Seconds. He had 24 seconds before he hit the ground. Yo. Yeah. So thankfully, within that time, he realized his main chute failed and was composed enough to pull the reserve. And although it was only partially deployed, it was enough to slow his body and get this, help him survive the fall. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. And just real quick, a reserve is what I think it is, right? It's a second parachute. Exactly. Okay. You get it. How many parachutes do they have? Do they have a third? (laughs) I hope so. They have a plan C? (laughs) I would request a third. I would request a third, maybe a fourth. I would love it if, like, like, like the final and third option was to, like, um, like, like you know how a bouncy house is bouncy? Yes. Like a giant pillow or something? Like, what yeah. if they just deployed, like, a giant pillow right in front of them so that they would just fall into a cushion? You can hire me. My email address <laughs> is... <laughs> What if the government hired me because of my pillow The CIA plan? is just like, oh, we've been using LSD this whole time. We could just could have used bouncy houses. We could have just <laughs> used a bouncy house. That's right. You can call me, email us at wellthatsinterestingpod at gmail.com. That's right. And we can and, and I, I design will... weapons for the military. That's yeah. great. <laughs> oh, jeez. What have I done? So, <laughs> tell me more. Tell me more. Okay. So uh, where are we? Okay. So not only did he survive, but he was like... Okay. What? <laughs> yeah. According to a statement by the Atascadero Police Department, quote, the parachutist was conscious but stunned with complaints of pain, duh, but no visible serious injuries. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. So basically he could just get up and go home if he yeah. wanted. So the worst possible, like the worst situation had like the best possible outcome. Okay. Not only uh, did the half open, whoop, there's a pop-up fucker. Okay, so not only did the half-open shoot save the guy, but also where he landed totally by chance Crazy. saved him. Now, Dr. Marissa, would you please tell us a little bit about, about more about this? Will do. All right. Linda Salady, the homeowner's mother, told local news station KSBY, uh, quote, he came through the roof, through the trusses, and... There's not that much damage to the house. (laughs) It's amazing. It's mostly the ceiling, the sheetrock. He missed the counters, appliances, everything. That's right. And, quote, he did just fall on the floor. Straight to the floor. Perfectly on the floor. I mean, how... He missed so the British. knives. Yeah. He was, <laughs> so, just so nice and that's British. so polite. So polite. <laughs> <laughs> just fell right to the goddamn floor. There was no other impacts. Uh, and if you think that's crazy lucky, this podcast wouldn't be this podcast if we didn't talk about the longest surviving freefall. Shut up. That's right. Oh, wait. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So do you remember way back in episode 011, we talked about what would happen if your elevator 
cable broke? Yes. Yeah. We opened that episode with a story of Betty Lou Oliver, the elevator operator at the Empire State Building back in 1945. That's right. Now, she wasn't in an elevator when a plane struck the building. Uh, First responders put Betty into a damaged elevator in an attempt to get her down to the first floor. Now, that damaged elevator plummeted 75 stories or 1,000 feet. But Betty survived that fucking impact, too. And to this day, she holds the record for longest survived elevator fall. Fuck yeah, Betty. Fuck yeah, Betty Lou. Now, that record belongs to a lady civilian. And wouldn't you know it, the longest surviving free fall also belongs to a lady civilian. What can't we do? (laughs) That's right. There you go. She said with her her arms wide open. That's right. You want you want a fall? I'll give you a fall. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, Dr. Marissa, would you do the honor of telling us the story of Vesna Volovic, as reported by IFL Science? Vesna Volovic. I would love to. All right. Quote, the longest surviving free fall without a parachute occurred on January 26th, 1972, after a bomb exploding within the baggage compartment of a flight cruising at 33,000 feet caused the plane to rip apart, trapping Vesna uh, Volovic. Uh, after plummeting 33,000 feet, uh, the fuel, the fuel, Fuselage. The fuselage. Of course. Nailed nailed it. it. The fuselage hit the ground at an angle, and the unconscious Vesna was found within. Scientists attribute her low her low blood pressure resulting in her unconsciousness and preventing her heart from bursting open upon impact as the reason Vesna survived the fall. And quote Boom. So she was she was out. She slipped through it. Uh, yeah, kind she of. was unconscious. She was yeah. unconscious, survived. She fell 33,000 feet and survived. Uh, badass Vesna is totally badass. According to her wiki, she spent days in a coma and was hospitalized for months. Uh, she suffered a fractured skull, three broken vertebrae, broken legs, broken ribs, and a fractured pelvis. She was temporarily paralyzed from the waist down, but made an almost complete recovery. Shut the fuck up. Walking only with a limp. Yeah, man. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Only a limp. That's right. Now, Vesna has no memory of the crash, uh, and when she recovered, she wanted to return to her beloved occupation as, you guessed it, a flight attendant. Shut the fuck up. That's right. No. Yeah. So if you have five minutes today, please check out Vesna's wiki. Uh, Believe it or not, the plane crash is just a fraction of what this woman lived through and fought for. She was fucking awesome. I'm a huge fan. Yeah. Yeah. I think she passed away about... Three years ago, so she probably lived yeah. a very long life, though. Yeah, she totally did. That happened in '72, and she just died. Yeah, it's crazy, crazy shit. So, after the break, more jaw-dropping shit. We're heading over to Australia to confront one of its best killers, and you won't believe who it is. Ooh! Right? <laughs> Stay tuned, please do. I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for the New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off 
an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-off launches April 9th. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey everyone, Jill Chacha here from Well That's Interesting, and I am absolutely thrilled to tell you about Spotify for Podcasters. I use it, I love it, and it all started by downloading the free Spotify for Podcasters app, which has all the tools you need in one place to record and edit your masterpiece of a podcast. Spotify for Podcasters also distributes your show to all major platforms. So when you hit publish, your episodes will stream not only on Spotify, but I'm talking about the Apples, the Googles, Stitcher, Good Pods, the other ones. <laughs> you get the idea. And you can monetize your podcast with no minimum listenership required. You could also set up monthly subscriptions and record ads just like this one. So what are you waiting for? Download Spotify for Podcasters today and start changing the world. Oh, and please, stay interesting. And we're back. We are so back. We're so back, and we're staring into the eyes of one of the most successful killers on the planet. No, thank you. <laughs> Pass. I don't want to do that. Uh, that's right. We're looking into the eyes of an animal whose success rate at catching prey is around 32%. What? Yeah, I don't know about you, but trying to catch anything with your bare hands and no tools is really, really difficult. So getting lucky a third of the time is fucking bonkers. That's insane. Yeah. That is insane. It is. I also know where we're going with this. <laughs> That's right. it's crazy. My friends, that animal is a house cat. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. It was because of the title. I <laughs> Context clues. That's right. That's right. Just uh, amazing. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and these adorable little shits, and I say that with the, the most amount of love, uh, are becoming a bit of an issue in the land down under. What? Uh, let's head on back to July 9th. This time, uh, again, just a few days ago, to a suburb east of Melbourne, to Knox, Australia. Uh, if you picture Australia, point to the very, very southeast corner, and there it is. It's right there. Oh. I Also, before we go forward anymore, I have a hard time realizing that cats are a bad thing in Australia. Aren't there, like, mosquitoes the size of dogs there? <laughs> like... Everything is the size of a dog there. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Tell me more about these evil cats. Yeah. Uh, now, according to uh, the Knox City website, knox.vic.gov.au, you know the one. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, quote, residents will be required to keep cats on their premises at all time under a new curfew coming into effect on October 1st, 2021. Oh, my God. Knox City Council Mayor... Lisa Cooper said the 24-hour cat curfew is designed to protect cats and local wildlife. Oh. End quote. Okay. Okay. Now, 
This isn't the first time Knox installed a curfew for cats. Last year, they actually tried a trial run requiring cats to be confined to a homeowner's property between sunset and sunrise, so basically overnight. Yeah, okay. Um, Now, throughout that trial, the community uh, was surveyed, and more than 86% of respondents supported this curfew. Okay. And actually noted a preference for a 24-hour curfew over a nighttime curfew. Oh. And get this, nearly half of the 720 residents uh, surveyed were cat owners themselves. Interesting. Super interesting. Now, Dr. Marissa, if you could shed a little light on why the city of Knox and most of its residents are in support of keeping kitties inside. Of course. All right. Quoting the Australian National University website, quote, pet and feral cats together are killing over 2 billion reptiles, birds, and mammals per year in Australia. What? And most of these animals are natives, according to the new book uh, written by three of Australia's leading environmental scientists. The book, Cats in Australia, Companion and Killer, compiles key findings from hundreds of studies and management experience about cats across Australia. End quote. What? Two billion. Two billion? A year. What the fuck? Yeah. Cats? <laughs> Amazing. I mean, they can be little shits, but like, they're out there fucking killing like <laughs> reptiles. Yeah. What mammals are they killing other than uh, mice? Just so many mammals. Oh my God. Uh, now, one of the authors envi- and environmental scientists, Professor Sarah Legg of the Australian National University, ANU, breaks it down for us even more. Because wrapping her head around 2 billion creatures a year is kind of hard, so she explained it on a smaller scale. Okay. Uh, She told the ANU, on average, each feral cat in the bush kills a whopping 740 animals a year. What? Yeah, so. And wait, each feral cat? Yeah. So one cat is killing 740 animals? Yeah. A year. That's a feral cat, yeah. That's more. It's like two a day. Two a day. Yeah. About. More. Yeah. Jesus. No, about two a day. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Uh, In a year with average conditions, there are about 2.8 million feral cats, but that figure can double when good rain leads to an abundance of prey animals. Uh, Mm -hmm. On average, each pet cat kills about 75 animals a year. Shut the fuck up. But many of these kills are never witnessed by their owners. (gasps) Uh, So that's what she's reporting. Are Are they killing, like, kangaroos? Baby Joey's? I don't know. I mean, <gasps> there's... I just there's imagined a, a cat, like, taking down. <laughs> taking down. <laughs> I bet you they Like, could. with the running start, taking down a full-grown kangaroo. Because that's the only animal in Australia. I'm just kidding. But that was the first... When, when an American thinks of Australia, they think of a kangaroo. And... I could... I would totally bet money on the cat. I would. I, I mean, I don't want to see any <laughs> animal get hurt. But if someone did have a video of that... I wouldn't be surprised. They're pretty great. I wouldn't great. be surprised. They're pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, now, when you add up each cat and all their kills per day, my friends, that's 3.1 million mammals, 1.8 million reptiles, and 1.3 million birds dying each day in Australia alone. That's wild. It's fucking bonkers. Um, and it's not the cat's fault, okay? It's yeah. our fault as human pet owners, and the city of Knox wants to undo this level of predation. So a curfew will be officially uh, will officially be law in October, but even in the smallest city of Knox, 
population of around 160,000. Yeah. Uh, this is causing some controversy. Uh, opponents question what effects this will have on cats used to being outside. Effects like anxiety and stress. Yeah. Uh, the city of Knox is like, look, cats can still go outside. They just need to stay on your property. Yeah. Uh, th- they suggest cat enclosures and cat proof fencing as some ways to stop a cat from wandering. Uh, structure is similar to what you'd use with a dog, basically. Yeah. So they're like, the way you'd treat your dog outside, treat your cat the same way. It's basically it, what they're requesting. Exactly. Yeah. Now, I'm quite sure there's a happy medium between uh, all parties. And quite honestly, I think a cat is happy being an adorable jerk inside or out. Mm-hmm. I've I, don't, seen it. I don't really think they care. I don't think they care either. <laughs> If anything, I feel like they would prefer the inside because it's cooler there. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. Or warmer, depending on the time of year. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I just, they're just, uh, they're fine. <laughs> they're going to be fine. <laughs> they're going to be fine. They love you and they don't care at the same time. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a beautiful <laughs> relationship. So uh, wrap your head around those fucking numbers. And that news. And thank you for listening, subscribing, rating. Uh, such a big deal. So, help. so amazing. Yeah. Uh, we're watching these numbers go up and we're just so excited. Yeah. And, and just yeah. so thankful. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, and please stay interesting. Please do.